listening to Songbones Podcast, where we get to the real and go to the deep with grassroots singer-songwriters. I'm Michelle McAfee. Caleb Cotter opened the front door of a farm-style cottage surrounded by garden beds and vines in the middle of Portland, Oregon, and invited me in. The blue and white checkered tablecloth, upright piano, and vintage everything made me feel like I was somewhere in Kansas, except for the cup of stiff Northwest coffee he placed in my hand. I spent the afternoon talking with Reeb Wilms and Caleb about an old-time fiddle pilgrimage, managing four musical projects, learning to sing, and the great big fado do. Welcome to episode four. When I pulled up, I knew it was your house, not because I saw the address, but because I saw the gardens. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I got turned on to your music by my friend Vanessa and Katie, and you're on one of my playlists for Alaska when I do the long hauls Fun. up there. Yeah. So how did you two connect musically, and how did you end up playing this style of music? Well, we both came at it from different directions, I guess, or similar directions at different times, but um, I moved to Bellingham to go to college from Waterville, Washington, where I was from, and um, I had been sort of teaching myself how to play the guitar a little bit, and my dad plays guitar, so he was showing me some chords, and friends would show me some stuff, and I was working on guitar, and I met some people in Bellingham that played old-time music, and I became friends with them, and I fell in love with the sort of community aspect of this traditional music and how people would gather together and often we'd make food and we'd visit and we'd laugh and we'd sit around and play tunes and it just felt like this really beautiful thing that I'd stumbled into and so I was hooked then so I started playing with them and of course we were all Foghorn String Band fans because Foghorn was on fire at that time and in Portland and the old time scene in the Pacific Northwest was getting fired up with these young guys that were playing old time and so yeah I knew about Caleb's music with Foghorn and I knew about his country band for quite a long time and listened to all their albums and eventually I met Caleb at a festival out at Weezer the uh, national old time fiddle contest in Weezer Idaho and we had mutual friends and he and his group of friends would go to Weezer every year and so would my group of friends from Bellingham and we just met one day and sang some songs together and it felt um, really magical just singing with Caleb and so we would kind of see each other at festivals through the years and we'd always make a point to sit and pick together and sing a few songs so that's how it began or that's how I met Caleb. What's your version? (laughs) (laughs) My version goes back a little further just because uh, like like Reeb said I was in the Foghorn String Band but a lot of events led me to the Foghorn String Band, which was growing up on Orcas Island in Washington, pretty small community, and a good close buddy of mine started playing music together when we were 12, 11, 12, or even in the middle school band, you know, just as early as we could. We were both playing saxophone and blah, blah, blah. We started writing songs together, and we made up a band at one point that never even happened, but we had a poster and a name and, nice. you know, all this thing, and we went on, we went on to to college and we were writing songs and we both went to college in Oregon. We weren't at the same school, but we were close enough that we could meet on weekends 
and perform. And the duo became a trio, and the trio became a seven-piece band. And it went on and on, and it was all original music, which was really exciting and kind of all I knew at that point. But something clicked for me. I was a little unhappy in the, in the greater picture of that band as far as music goes. Even though there was so much joy, it was really amazing kind of one of those one of those bands where you're just like how did this happen kind of thing how did all this happen even in that I had this like dark sadness of missing something and and the songs I wanted to write didn't seem to fit anymore and I realized I wanted I you know I didn't even know like traditional American music I knew that it existed but I knew I didn't know it and I didn't even know like how to play the blues I was a self-taught musician for the most part very self-taught and so I, I just kind of I was 23 years old, and I, I just needed something more musically. And I was kind of searching and searching, and I stumbled across this fiddle teacher through a, a music program I was doing in school. Fiddle was my elective. And I called up the teacher, and he said, well, I just teach orally. I just teach old-time fiddle. And I said, oh, that's perfect. I don't, I don't really quite know what that is, but I'm gonna, that sounds awesome. So I signed up and took some lessons from him, and he started teaching me old-time fiddle tunes. I thought this was the coolest thing ever. And I quickly realized that they were fiddle was tuned like a mandolin, and I already played the guitar with a pick. So I kind of was like, oh, I could probably learn the mandolin because it's played with a pick and has frets. So I started learning that, and I just got sucked into this Portland bluegrass and old-time scene and leaned more towards the old-time scene. Joined a band called Pig Iron, and then Pig Iron stopped performing, and we started a band called Foghorn String Band. And that's when, after a while, we met Reeb again at this sort of pilgrimage called Weezer, the National Old-Time Fiddlers Championship. That's how I met Reeb. <laughs> and I, I was playing music in a circle with friends. We'd had have, have this jam session that goes on for days, you know. And this one in particular was maybe, you know, a couple hours long, just sitting and playing tunes we know. And I got up, turned my back on the circle for about three minutes, and I heard this voice singing that I'd never heard before. And it, like, flipped my neck around. And it was Reeb singing. I never met her and hadn't heard anyone sing like that before. And I was just like, like you know, got plowed over with a freight train of like, wow, what just happened? I knew right away that we could sing together. It was like instant. I was like, that's somebody that I want to play music with or sing with. And and yeah, so um, it was it was a pretty cool life changing experience. I have have had a few of those with music that are pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. This was one of them for sure. of all the cool people I've met along the way through music that I would otherwise not have met, how many walls and divides has music dissolved in my life and built a bridge instead? Music is a language, and it can be a way of life. Sometimes it's pure magic, and other times it's a whole lot of work. So you have a duo, Reeb and Caleb, and Caleb and Reed. <laughs> um, and you have one or two records out as a duo? One. One and a half, two. I'd say two. We have one, just the two of us only. Uh-huh. Like mandolin and guitar and two voices. 
It's called Oh, Do You Remember? Okay. And then we have another one that's with a, a full country band backing us, a honky-tonk country band, which is a band that I started before I met Reeb. What's that band called? It's the Caleb Clowder Country Band. Um, we struggle with that name quite a bit just because it says... It's just a funny name. Anyways, I started it a long time ago based around some original songs that I was writing. Even though I was getting deep into traditional music, mm-hmm. I was still a songwriter from back in my youth and still today. So there was an outlet and a, and a platform for me to sing the songs that I was writing. Mm-hmm. And so we, Reeb is also in that band, and we, we sing duets in that band. We both sing leads in that band. And so the newest configuration of the of the duo is with the band so we have two i'd say sweet and then you're also still in foghorn and we're still in foghorn which has changed over the years Mm -hmm. from five guys to now two of the original guys and two gals and reeb is one of those gals and then we also play we do some music with some cajun musicians in louisiana it loosely gets called the cajun country revival and it has members of the Foghorn String Band, it has members of the Caleb Clotter Country Band, and it has some friends from Louisiana that play Cajun fiddle and Cajun accordion. And we'll do like Cajun and country songs that are both in English and in French and sort of share where those musics crisscross. Oh, fun. And how they have over the years for a long time. So we're kind of exploring that, that side of things. a lot of projects to keep on the road and honestly it sounds a little daunting i mean we're talking about a dozen people's schedules and ways of doing things i was curious about how they made it all work but really i was more curious about why they made it all work why did they want to be in so many projects at the same time maybe we like to be spread thin i don't know (laughs) no i'm kidding i'm kidding but um well i think it's just because we we're curious and we want to have different expressions of our music. That's a simple and short answer, but. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. You know, if you go back in time with at least my, my journey in the music, you know, playing with Foghorn String Band was great. And Pig Iron, the band before that was acoustic bands. That like you walk in with your case, you open up and you play. You don't need a microphone. You can have a microphone, but you don't need one. And you just play anywhere, on the street, in a bar, at the house, in a hotel, you know, anywhere you want, on a boat. And then, you know, other bands need, like, a drum kit, and maybe you need an amp for the bass and an amp for the electric guitar, and there's a lot more stuff going on. But yet that band has a different sound and a different color to it. A lot of the songs that I write could be played in both bands. Mm-hmm. But as a artist and, a, and someone who loves different styles of music, I wanted to do something more in that kind of traditional country sound mm-hmm. so I was wanting to play with steel guitar players and and I like drums and I had been playing in a band for a long time with drums and so it's not like I just want to be one or the other yeah. and cut and dry I'm too curious for that and for, you wanted to play for dancers that's a big part of your honky-tonk band right and and I think some of the songs at that time seemed more appropriate for that sound than even though we could play them in the string band they seemed a little more appropriate for the country sound so and then we started you know, with traditional old-time fiddle music and older styles of country music, there's an overlap with, with Cajun music. Because mm-hmm. Cajun music has this real traditional old acoustic Cajun side and this sort of honky-tonk barroom Cajun side. And we have some friends down there that are a similar age, and like they would say these same things that we're saying, probably, and, and have the same journey with this whole thing that 
um, these styles just share so much. You know, I mean, they're both American musics, mm-hmm. and I would say they're really roots-oriented musics from from America. Yeah, with a lot of tradition behind them. That's the one thing I love about this niche is the artistic freedom that we can create for ourselves. You know, yeah. uh, so many people that are in grassroots music really kind of need that outlet. It's a really important piece of being independent and being free. You know, we're not told that we have to do this one band or we have to do this one style. I think it creates more diversity in music. Yeah, people along the way have have encouraged me to do less diversity and I just, I don't talk to them anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, along those lines, like with with that many projects going, how do you manage your time Mm -hmm. and manage all of the pieces that it takes to do that? I mean, to some degree, you know, we're usually planning our lives six months to a year in advance or sometimes more, but it depends what gigs come in. Like if there's a festival in Norway that wants the Cajun Country Revival, a year from now, we'll say... Sure, we want to do that. And then we plan around that. We plan a tour around it or something, mm-hmm. you know, if the money's right. And then, yeah, same with Foghorn. We'll book a little tour around a festival or something and the country band too. And, and then the year sort of gets parceled out to different projects in that way, I think. Do you have like a shared Google calendar where yes. everybody, I knew, I was like, yeah. they've got to, there must be super organized somewhere. Yeah. And all the bands are on there. And since all of us are part of them, we can all see each other's schedules and the schedules for the different bands. And so it helps yep. us plan. And then when there's holes in our schedule, that's kind of more when we work as a duo, just mm-hmm. to fill in the areas where we need to um, spread the word about our bands and fill in some places where we need to work and the bands aren't working. The duo is really fun because like Reeb said, it can fill in a lot of things. It's a lot easier um, to maneuver and to plan because I just talk to her or she just talks to me. Mm-hmm. We make decisions quickly and that's wonderful. It's been a little challenging because it's like the last project that we have going as far as age. And so it, it, it has a little bit of traction right now, but a year ago it hardly had traction because yet again, people... Like, we know what we're doing, but people out there who are used to seeing Foghorn or the Caleb Clutter Country Band or the Cajun Country Revival, they don't, they're not used to seeing Caleb Clutter and Reeb Wilms. And it's a big name, and it's kind of clunky. And They might they not even know our names. They know. might not quite know. They might know Foghorn, you know. But lately, it's been getting some traction, and a little video here and a little interview there and, and an album there starts to make that easier to to plug into these blank spaces where the other things aren't happening. Mm-hmm. We, I think we give our priority to Foghorn. We have for a long time, and Foghorn's had a booking agent for a long time. So that's sort of got a lot of uh, momentum behind it, a lot of energy. And um, then the country band has done a lot of stuff on the side of that. The Cajun Country Revival kind of slips in there. And our friend in Louisiana, Joel Savoie, he, he's pretty active in booking that band. And so we'll just sort of like, oh, something comes up, we'll say yes or no if we can do it. If we can't do it, maybe they'll do it without us. It's pretty organic, right? It's great. It's really wonderful that way. And um, and then as a duo, we can we can fill in the pieces. But it's also challenging to book the duo. It's very raw. It's just the two of us. It's very stripped down. It's very exposed. It's it's a lot more work on stage and booking. But at the same time, it's kind of rewarding. The two of us can go out and 
make a little more money, which at the end of the day, you know, we got to pay our bills. Mm -hmm. So we are making a living and... Or maybe more accurately, we don't have to get such high guarantees because we're not responsible to pay our whole band. I mean, we can work for a smaller fee as a duo. Right. And so that opens up a whole other world of venues as well to you, right? And I saw in your magazine a little article about house concerts. Yes. And, you know, we play tons of house concerts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those settings, for one thing, it's it's intimate, and our music is pretty intimate. As a duo, too, I'll, I'll say that we explore even a little bit more broad of a musical spectrum than just the old-time, like, Foghorn, mm-hmm. and just the country band, like, like the country music, or the Cajun music with the Cajun band. Mm-hmm. But we go into, like, Reed pulls out some great songs from some songwriters that people don't really know about. Mm-hmm. And... And they wouldn't be classified as old time or country or Cajun, but they're beautiful songs and they fit in our instrumentation and we can play those songs in this setting and and we and we play the old time and the traditional and the old country songs. We play them all. You know, mm-hmm. we can kind of so it's it's a neat platform for Don't that. Don't forget about the bluegrass. And game. the bluegrass. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, would you be interested in playing a song, a duo song, so that we could hear those beautiful voices together? Sure. Sure. I think we should play that last of my kind. Because it's, it's a great, it's it's a song by a, a songwriter named Paul Birch, who I think should be in this podcast. He's a he's a songwriter from Nashville. Reeb sings one of his songs really wonderfully.
Fates that connected Caleb and Reeb must have talked to the muses, too, because they were granted a velveteen blend that sounds like they've been singing together for a million years. So Caleb sang in bands in college, but I wanted to know how Reeb learned to sing. Did her family sing and play music? Did she take lessons, or did she grow up singing to records or a favorite artist? My dad and uncles had a country band when they were younger, and, you know, growing up... When we had family gatherings, a couple times a year, the brothers would get together and sing old country songs. And they love to harmonize. They're all self-taught as well. They got a baritone ukulele when they were kids and graduated to guitars and just started singing and playing by ear. And so I grew up hearing them sing, but I, I didn't really sing with them that much or really at all. I was kind of shy, so I didn't, even though dad would try to talk me into it. So I would sing by myself. When I listened to music, I would sing along. Um, And then, you know, I guess around the time when I got up into late high school and college is when I started to sing a little bit in front of people, but it was always pretty difficult and terrifying. (laughs) So I didn't do it much, and my friends would try to pressure me into singing. And I wanted to, but I couldn't like make myself do it so then um later on i i did sort of start to get over my fear i'm still getting over my fear <laughs> gradually so did, did but it s- has gotten a lot easier didn't you say you listened to without knowing it maybe you listened to dervish which is a wonderful irish band with kathy jordan singing i did i sang along with kathy sang all those beautiful irish songs who is now a great friend and yeah. we love her she um, told me the stories about having this irish cassette tape or something like that that had this great it was this Irish compact singer. disc compact Caleb. disc <laughs> I don't know when it was I'm but, kidding but yeah this and then when she met Kathy it was like I know that voice I know that person sung along with that I yeah imagine. I sang along with that album in high school and then years and years later after I joined Foghorn we were on tour in Ireland and these guys already knew Kathy and they introduced me to her but I didn't know who she was and because I didn't know her name, and 
then later that night we were sitting in a session she started singing and i was like oh my gosh that's that's that woman who i used to sing along with oh that's so cool <laughs> it was really cool how do you deal with being shy and being a performer um well i don't talk much on stage cuz i can't think of anything to say or if i do think of something to say i usually don't say it <laughs> um I've just learned that even when I'm nervous, it doesn't really matter. Like if you want to sing in front of people or if you want to sing, you just have to sing even if you're nervous. It doesn't really. I guess what I'm trying to say is the nerves are always there. So just have to sing anyway. Mm -hmm. It's really situational. It depends who's in the audience and how big or small the audience is, how intimate the audience is, and mm. if it's a high-profile gig or not, or if it's friends that are watching me, that's the most nerve-wracking. If it's I people agree. I know. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Um, I just try to get out of my head and get into my body mm-hmm. and acknowledge that I'm nervous, but not, but then let it go, kind of, I guess. Yeah, I always just try and find, just find the song. Get back to the song. Yeah, think about why the words. Why am I even singing this song? Why do I like it? Why is it here? And why am I about to sing it? Mm-hmm. And just try and go in there and distract myself from all the other thoughts that are running through your head. Uh, the other thing I like about sometimes just getting out of the car or the van and going straight in, being late and getting straight to the stage and just be like, okay, we got to go. You have no time to think about all that stuff. If you have hours to sit around and think about it, you can psych yourself out so so easily, you know? (laughs) It's like, no. Or keep yourself busy somehow right up till the point you're going to play. And then if you've played enough, you can kind of just get up there and do it. And you want to, it's not insincere. I don't mean that, but you get up there and you just get into that place that you do like on your couch at home. Yeah. You know, get to that spot musically. Yeah, I haven't really figured out what to do when the nerves take over my body, though. <laughs> that happens yeah. a lot where my throat's tightening up or my body's tense, and and the singing isn't as good then. So that's hard. You have to just remember I to always, breathe. I always know? sing the best when I'm all by myself, so. <laughs> I know, isn't it? Too that bad. It's a strange <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. You were here in Portland in the 90s. There was a acoustic music scene kind of firing up. Yeah. And... How has that changed? Because Portland has gone through a huge growth spurt. How has that changed the music scene in Portland? It's, that's a really complicated question. I think about it all the time. Um, there's a couple of things that are interesting from my perspective, I feel like, because I travel a lot and we travel away and we travel out and play. And the other thing is that I've grown and aged and and not as in touch with like the 23-year-olds that I was when I moved here, or 22-year-olds. Mm-hmm. So that has to be taken into account to my answer. But um, but I I do feel like, you know, natu- obviously rents are higher. And when I moved here, it was like so cheap to live here. It was There was so many musicians and artists everywhere freely playing and writing and being creative. And a lot of us were young, and we were really kind of just like diving into it head first without any fear. Portland wasn't on the map for anything. There was sort of this like, um, it's almost like playing in your living room. No one hears you. You can be as creative as you want. You can do whatever you want. It's like 
living in Portland was like living in your living room because nobody knew about it or cared really much about Portland at that point. It seemed like in the music. I remember at one point thinking, God, I wish like somebody out there would like just care about what we're doing at all. Because I felt like there was so much great art coming out of Portland, musically specifically, and, and other arts as well. But being a musician, I was seeing all these people writing songs and playing and, and the energy about it was so like phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I almost regret that, like, it seemed like that's happened, you know, in, in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I do think it's still there. People are still being really creative here, and there's still a lot of great songwriters. And it's just, um, there's just more people, you know, like, I don't like driving across town. And so I don't go visit people as much as I used to go sit and write songs with friends. And also, we travel a lot, so I don't drive across town because I get home, I don't want to be in a car. You know, um, but yeah, I think I think that that living room aspect of Portland that was like this cozy little quaint place that nobody really paid attention to is a little bit gone. Mm-hmm. But there's you know there's still some there's some great music being made, mm-hmm. and great songs, and there are little pockets of of genres and styles and little scenes that are that are have strongholds. You know, we have a little festival that we started six years ago. It's a it's called the Great Big Fado Doe, and it's like a Cajun honky tonk and Western swing dance music festival. So it's all the music that we can get together to like that play that kind of music, and just get people out dancing. Sweet, and it's in Portland. It's in Portland, yeah. It's coming so up, isn't it? It's coming up in June, yeah. And that's just it's small festival. You know, I, I keep it small so, so it's simple, so I can do it from the road and not have to like. There's not tons of infrastructure, and mm-hmm. um, but it's just I'm trying to celebrate this thing and maybe it'll grow who knows there's no real plans for anything other than just getting it together and giving it a name and kind of getting people to to get together to celebrate it and have some food bring in some cajuns to come play our cajun friends and yeah what are the dates the dates are june 20 20th through june 23rd okay you know it'll change every year it's kind of the weekend after father's day nice every year Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it's I good. I want to come eat some Cajun food. You should, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nice. Our friend Jesse Leger, who's an amazing accordion player, he comes and cooks gumbo, and it's, it's good. And he serves it, and he's, he's great. And he sings, and he dances, and yeah. always writing but lately I haven't been finishing anything so yeah I write on the road I've written plenty of songs on the road mm-hmm. um, it's hard to finish them it's hard to find time or it's hard to grab the guitar it's buried in the back I always am like writing down lyrics or ideas sometimes I'll hum something into the, the phone which we have nowadays you know to record something I have, I have a hard time making up songs these songs are kind of like true life stories for me the ones I write are things that really are happening, and and I like the dancing. I like that interaction of music having a purpose. There's some songs, you know, that are just like an emotional ride, and you can just sit there and listen to this thing and take a ride. But there's some songs that just like get you up and make you want to boogie. And I love that side of playing music and like moving people 
physically. Like square dancing is the same way. We play a lot of square dances, and that music's the same. It's just it's it's like music with a purpose almost. You know, music has a lot of purposes. It does a lot of things. Yeah, for, uh, yeah I was just actually writing. I wrote something the other day when I woke up and a melody came to my head, and I, I was writing it in the car again in my head. And I was trying to remember it, it just in my head, and I started playing it this morning. So it's been like a three-day process, and I lost a little bit of it because I didn't hum it. But I, I have kind of the general idea, so I'm still working on it. So, You know where I write a lot is on the airplane. Mm-hmm. I think because on the airplane, once you get into your seat, you don't have a lot to do. In a car, you're a co-pilot or you're a driver or you have cell phone service so you're probably booking something or communicating with a promoter that, for the next show or the, a radio DJ or an interview. You, know, mm-hmm. you can take care of it. But on an airplane, you can't take care of much business because you're up in the air. And you, I don't know, I, I get ideas. I'll be listening to music or I'll just be sitting and reading and thinking about stuff and get ideas. And I, and I have like the time to spend and focus on it. I'm not distracted by a bazillion things. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Cool. Do you have another song that you'd be into playing? Sure. Yeah. Been a while now since I wrote this one. It's called New Shoes. <laughs> I'm gonna walk away 
for hanging out with us and listening to episode four of Songbones podcast. You can find a video and links to Caleb Clowder and Reeb Wilms' music on the Spotlight page at songbones.com. You can also sign up on our newsletter so you don't miss a monthly blog post or any Songbones tidbits. And if you want this podcast to magically show up in your podcast queue, subscribe to Songbones on Apple or Spotify. See you next month.